Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Annette Choti, who is president of LawQuill, a legal marketing agency focusing on small and solo law firms. Most of us know a little bit about outsourcing, but probably not as much as we should. So tell us, where should we start with this topic? Absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me. I uh, think that your voice is a much needed one in our industry. So uh, I am completely honored to be here. So outsourcing, the best way to think of this is just delegating tasks for your law firm. There's a couple of different ways to look at it. You can delegate tasks that are simply time consuming and don't take a lot of expertise. Spreadsheets that need to be created for contact lists, things like that. And the other type of outsourcing is something where you know you don't have perhaps the expertise that you need and you don't want to take the time to learn it. So, for example, one of one of the things that many law firms outsource is their online legal content on their blog because they don't have the time or perhaps even inclination to want to learn how to do all the search engine optimization, the SEO tactics the long tail keywords to try to sort all of those things out. So those are the two different ways that people can look at potentially outsourcing, which ultimately will, you know, save them time and money and energy and energy. Right. Definitely. So what gets in the way of people doing this? Well, I think that lawyers specifically are, in most cases, type A personalities, we all feel like we can handle this. We've got it. We can do it. Um, And that is a great mindset to have as a lawyer. However, owning your own law firm now is a much different animal than it was 20 or 30 years ago. You not only have to actually get cases and then, you know, actually practice the law, but then you also have to be a salesman and a marketer, and a digital marketer, and an offline marketer. And then you have to know how to do your Google My Business page. And you just have to learn all of these things that are frankly incredibly time consuming and are each one has a level of expertise that some people take years of training to learn. So I think that what happens is that a lot of lawyers feel like but I can do it all. I, I can do it and I want to save the money. So it, it's maybe a twofold thing. It's one they feel like they can do and they can do it. Anybody can learn this, right? It just takes time and, and energy. It's perhaps they feel compelled to want to learn it and do it themselves. And then also there's a money issue because, you know, when you outsource, you have to pay someone. Yeah, that's exactly it. Especially when you're starting out, it can be a little bit overwhelming to know what exactly you should be outsourcing and whether or not you're getting value for your money. I totally agree. I think that unfortunately what happens is a lot of small and solo law firms place a lot of trust in certain legal marketing agencies or even people who run ads or whatever it is, and they don't get the results that were promised them. And therefore, then they become a little bit skittish to outsource again because of their negative experiences. So it is a bit of a a challenge to know not only what to outsource, but who to outsource it to. Okay, so let's just go through 
some of this, we want to start a process. So let's just go through the components of a website, and then we'll look at breaking that down further into what exactly those components we should be looking at outsourcing. And then we can look at maybe some of the other marketing that law firms should be doing besides the website. So let's start with the website. I think that first of all, just at the very basic, every law firm needs a website. I think that the, tr the truth is, is that statistics show us that over 90% of potential clients look for law firms online and 76% of those people will contact only one law firm after doing their search online. So you want to be that law firm. And the, really the only way to become that law firm is to have a website, which is basically the modern day business card. So it's a way, you know, an expanded business card, obviously, but it's a way for law firms to give a lot of value and information to clients, as well as a way to contact them. The website is exceptionally important. I think I'm very confident in saying, I don't think you can be a lawyer in 2020 and not have a quality website and expect to get clients. Let's so, just talk about that. What's a quality website because I see some that look like they're in the stone age and they still manage to get a lot of clients. So well, what's up with that? Is that SEO? The ones that are in the stone age are typically older lawyers who already have a great deal of clients and word of mouth and referrals and they are old school. They did it the old fashioned way before websites were even a thing. They don't need to necessarily work. You know, if you've been in the industry for four decades, right, your traffic, you don't need to worry as much about Google because you already have a client, you know, your Rolodex is full. That's really an important point because when new lawyers go and they see these old terrible websites, yet these people are still managing to get tons of clients, they look at it and say, okay, I can do this. No problem. I think anyone can do anything. You can make your website, you can write your content, you can do whatever you want. The question is, is it being done well enough to compete with other people who have experts working on their websites? So yes, you can make your own website, but will it be competitive against other law firms that are in your exact same practice area trying to attract your exact same perfect clients. From lawyers who may be much more senior than you or more established in that particular area. Now, over what part would we want to outsource of the actual website construction? One of the things that I have a big curiosity about in terms of the work that you do, as a person that's working in the field, I would think that I would want to showcase my own expertise on it by writing blog posts at it. So how does that, how do you work with somebody if that's how they feel about their particular website? Here's the thing. The law is the law. When you are talking about a DUI in the state of Idaho, that law is the law. If I write about that law or if an attorney, you know, the attorney of the website writes about that law, the law is still the same. The potential client wants to have answers to their questions. Am I going to go to jail for this DUI? Whatever it is. So because someone like me, who is a digital marketer specifically for law firms, I know how to find the keywords that you will rank for to be found. I know how to do all of the SEO, which is the search engine optimization throughout the entire post. And I also know just simply because I've been doing it for so long, which 
types of articles garner the most traffic. So, and I think as an attorney, you may say, well, these are the areas that I want to write about. I personally can do it either way. I think other digital marketing agencies probably do the same thing. I can pick the topics for you, or you can say, hey, listen, I really, I get a lot of work with special needs trusts. So I want three or four or five articles that really dig deep on special needs trusts for, for people who have special needs children. The thing is when you're outsourcing that, you're not outsourcing necessarily the expertise. I mean, I've had, you know, I went to law school 20 years ago. So I've been in the legal industry for, for 20 years. And at the end of the day, the point of an article, unless you really love writing and want to do it yourself, the point of the article is to provide information to potential clients and also get yourself ranked on Google so that you make more money. At the end of the day, that is the goal of all of this. So unless you know you're very interested in sort of the concept of writing or you want to write a book or something like that, I don't discourage people from doing that. But the end goal of all of this is clients. You got to make, you're make, you want to make money. Okay. So now we've done the, the content. How are we going to get this website found by Google besides Google just indexing it? What else can we do? Okay. So if your website is like home base, you always want people coming back to home base. So now that you've got your home, your base ship created right in space, you've got your base ship. You want people to be coming to it. Uh, you know, obviously people look at Google to try to get that traffic, but there are many other ways to get that traffic. I think everyone would agree one of the best ways to do that is through advertising or organic traffic. Those are really the only two really big monster ways to get traffic to your website. One is paid and one is not paid. Let's just talk about the, the organic first. So okay. that is the ranking with the SEO and that type of thing, which is indirectly it's paid, no? Well, you so hire someone. you're doing organic traffic off of your website. So you're off of your website now and you are trying to garner traffic. There are a few ways that you can do this. Uh, the first way is to create a Facebook group that is not for your law firm. So you want to have a law firm website on or a law firm Facebook group for, for your Facebook, or excuse me, for your law firm on Facebook. You want to have that established. You want to put posts on there. You know, you can repurpose the posts that you put on your website. You can put that on Facebook or on LinkedIn or whatever. But what is really interesting is that there's, there's an attorney that I know, and he is a motorcycle attorney. He does a lot of motorcycle accidents. He rides a motorcycle. He's in the community. He started a Facebook group for people who are motorcycle enthusiasts in his area. And he talks about different rallies and parades and all of these things. Well, at the end of the day, who are they going to call when they're in an accident? <laughs> they're going to call him. It can be, and it's not just motors, you know, if you're an immigration attorney, right? So there are a lot of different areas of law that, that you can develop a following a group of people that will organically contact you because they see you as an expert. Another way to do this is to do guest blog posts on other sites. Again, you can hire out, you can hire someone out like me to write that and then put it so that you get those backlinks. Backlinks are when websites that are more important than you, frankly, are linking to your website. That serves you up in Google also. There are other ways on a lot of different social media platforms like LinkedIn, 
and we talked about Facebook already, that you can be getting this organic traffic contact and even offline, you can get organic traffic, set up a press release, you know, go old school, contact a local television station to say, hey, you know, there are wildfires in California. I'm the attorney that works on that. If you ever need a quote or anything about it, call me first. So that's great for the journalists. They want that. They want that kind of advice and expertise. And then people that hear that will then come to your website. So there are a lot of old school, old school marketing is not dead. And so there's a lot of ways to build yourself as an expert online and offline organically that is not paid. And that you wouldn't necessarily outsource. Some of it you could, some of it you might choose not to. Some of it you could, I mean, you can outsource anything, right? But if you are just, if you're a smaller solo law firm, having a press release or something like that. And what I tell people for that, just as a quick side note, is that if you are a specialist in a very particular field, such as something that you do in immigration that's different that any, you know, maybe immigrants from Poland or some other country that there's a special process, have a special page on your website dedicated just to that because that shows all of your expertise, accolades, awards, whatever in that area. And then when you issue a press release or if a journalist links back to you, they will have that area on your website. Again, it's all organic and it's not, it's not paid. It just takes a little bit, takes a little bit of elbow grease, a little bit of time. Okay. So let's talk about the, the Google ads and the different types of ads that we can purchase because those, those seem a little overwhelming to me, a little intimidating. Ads is an entirely different world. Google ads, you know, I think that they are very successful, but the problem is that the word lawyer and lawyers and attorney are some of the most expensive. They know, they know that lawyers can, you know, large law firms can afford those words. So if you want to purchase ad space at the top of Google with law or lawyer or attorney, and it's the same with LinkedIn, frankly, it's expensive. It's just super expensive. Facebook ads are less expensive. I typically encourage people to, you know, depending on what their finances are, are to maybe start, uh, and depending on what kind of practice area they have to, to maybe consider starting with Facebook ads particular type of law that's not so great for Facebook? You know, criminal law is not as great on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure, you know, you're catching people as they scroll. So if someone had a DUI, you know, or were arrested for a DUI, they, they may not find their attorney from just casually scrolling through. I think immigration attorneys do well on there. Some family law attorneys do well on their business attorneys do well because you can target your Facebook ads for businesses and target your Facebook ads a little bit better for that. I would genuinely suggest that if people are not very, have not had a lot of training and a lot of experience and a lot of ads on Facebook or Google, that they probably outsource that because the time and money that you will waste learning it is gargantuan. (laughs) Like it's a lot, it's a big learning curve. And in those areas, those people are legitimately experts. They know those data, they know that data, 
They know how to find your people on there really well. They can hone in and laser spot exactly who you are targeting. I leave that to the people that, you know, I think I'm an expert in what I do. And I think that they are an expert in what they do. And so I, I highly encourage small and solo law firms, if they have any kind of money to, you know, finances to be able to do it, to go ahead and outsource their ads. It gets back to what we were talking about when we started. You don't want to be trying to do everything because you're just going to spread yourself too thin. And after all, you are a lawyer trying to run a business. So you, at some point, you actually have to practice law. So some of these things I personally have done quite a bit of website development and I find it quite time consuming. It doesn't come naturally. So I can totally vouch for the you know, outsourcing of some of these different things. What about finding a network to obtain uh, referral partners? This is a bit of a different facet of all of it. The other things that we were talking about was finding potential clients directly. This is when you are trying to network with other attorneys so that you become the expert that gets references. So if you are a family law attorney, and someone comes to you and says, hey, you know, you did my divorce, can you do my estate plan? They're like, well, I don't do estate planning, but they will know someone who does. So building a referral network is important really in any business, right? That I think is important in any business. And so one of the best ways I think to do this is through LinkedIn. It's, I love LinkedIn, it's my happy place. I really feel like the connections that people make there are be extraordinary. I absolutely love LinkedIn. And so if you can establish yourself as an expert on LinkedIn, again, you can take your blog post from your website, copy and paste snippets of it periodically onto LinkedIn. People will see you as an expert. And so then as you're reach grows, your community grows, your number of contacts grows, people will say, oh, I remember he or she is, seems to be an expert on special needs trust. Like I remember, like that's what they do. It's a bit of a long play, right? It's not an instant gratification type of marketing move, but I think you need to have all of these different pieces in play. You need to be an expert. You do need to be an expert in your own community so that your peers feel like you are someone that they could refer potential clients to and that that you would do a good job with their clients. It's very important, but I think I'll just put a little footnote here before, you know, small and solo law firms get a little too overwhelmed. There is a way to repurpose content. So like if you have a blog post on your website, even one that you didn't write that you you know, outsourced to me or some, or to another digital marketing agency, and it's on your website, you can cut that up into like four different sections and post those periodically on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on all of these social media, even tweet little bits of it. You are repurposing this content so you don't have to completely recreate the wheel. If you have a scheduling tool that will help you with social media, for example, I do a lot of my LinkedIn posts two months at a time. The scheduling tools are amazing. So you, there are ways to make this entire process, you know, you can work smarter and not harder. So what scheduling tool would you recommend? I'm a huge fan of SmarterQ. It allows you to put in for LinkedIn, 
Facebook, um, Instagram, which isn't a huge help for law firms, frankly. Some law firms do use it if they are in the fashion or entertainment industry. I, I find that those, the Instagram works really well for them. You can also do Twitter. So you just schedule every, every you just sit down and schedule 30 or 40 posts all at once or copy and paste from your blog. And then it's like a crock pot, right? You set it and forget it. So. But do you not interact with the posts once you've set them? So what I do is, yes, obviously the post gets published at the time that you say mine are usually published in the morning. And then the algorithm, I believe for Facebook now, although it will change, I'm sure maybe by the end of this interview, the amount of comments that you get and interaction that you get within the first hour or two on that post lets LinkedIn know how important it is. And then it will boost you and put you in front of more people. So what I do is I know when my post is going to get published. It's usually around 7 a.m. So I look to see who's answering me and I answer right back. You can do it all from your phone. They make it really, they make it really easy. And then I interact with other people's posts as well because I want to be, I genuinely want to be part of a community. Invisible. Um, I, yeah. And you want that visibility. So I schedule a little bit of time every day where I go on LinkedIn and comment on people's posts, which frankly, between you and me is not hard to do. And if you know, you're standing at the micro, sorry, you're standing at the microwave for a couple of minutes, you know, you can go on LinkedIn and answer a few people's posts. That's what I do. That's time. an important point to be able to schedule and have a process. So when we're setting this all up and we've got our website and we decide on what parts we're going to outsource, then we actually combine what we have in terms of our content, chop it up, put it into some sort of scheduling, even if at the very beginning, it's something we do manually, but at least we have some sort of process in place so that it gets our minds thinking about how we can actually break a post down. I think that's a very important thing. And then we put it out there in the different ways and we interact with it, like you say, at the microwave or wherever we end up, we end up with having some sort of visibility and we begin to get known. So we can also set a time to write or to outsource or to follow up so that we are doing more of our networking on a continual basis, but not in an overwhelm sense. So what kind of expected results can we see if we do all of this? Blog posts are, are a long game. When you publish a post on your website, it usually takes somewhere between three to six months for the Google bots to crawl it and understand what it is. However, there's a little bit of a workaround. There is a website that you can go to that says, please index my post. So you can kind of jump the queue. And a lot of people don't know that. They just sit and wait. Now, it still takes a long time. It's still several weeks. But you can say, can you please hurry up and index my post for me. It's a long play on that, but you know, it's sort of like anything that is worth anything in life. The stuff that is really valuable takes a little bit of time. So the SEO takes time. Facebook organically takes time. LinkedIn takes time. What does not take time often is ads because you're paying. So it's all right. It's this, it's the problem everyone has in life, right? It's time or money. So if you have more money, then, then spend some of it on ads and you will get a quicker, more traffic to your website immediately because you're paying for that. Well, you'll the, see quickly too, if, you, if you're doing it with real experts, it will, it will have a result that you can 
look to right away to see whether or not you're actually getting any kind of return for your money. So you can adjust. That's right. Now, so I think that it is important for law firms to try to balance doing both because ultimately the organic traffic is, it just, it just feels more filling. It's not as empty calories, I guess. It's more solid. No, but at the end of the day, you know, a client is a client. So I definitely recommend that a lot of small and solo law firms try to do try to do a little bit of both. Thank you, Annette. It's been a pleasure hosting you. Her Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.